You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything with your hosts, David and Brenda. Now, let's get to talking about this and that. Hello, podcast listeners. What's up? What's up? What's up? I'll tell you what's up. You are listening to episode 34 of This and That Podcast with David and Brenda. That's what's up. Thank you so much for checking in with us again on November the 10th, 2019. Yes, thanks a lot for listening in. If this is uh, your first time, welcome. We hope you enjoy it. And if you're one of our loyal listeners, welcome back. Now, if you're not familiar with our voices, this is Brenda, better known as Miss Brenbren, and... This is David, a.k.a. Dr. David, a.k.a. The Professor. You are listening to This and That, our on-demand, eclectic podcast, where... We have the motto of, we talk about everything that's anything. And that is exactly what we're going to be doing today. So uh, we want to also say thank you to everybody that's listening in. Like David said, whether this is your first time or whether you're one of our loyal listeners or whether you're somewhere in between, thank you, thank you, thank you, as always. Yes, and for loyal listeners, we'd like to do uh, our shout-outs, so should we go ahead and... uh... Yeah, let's let's start with the the shout-outs here in the United States. And um, again, everybody is listening in across, what is it, five continents? Five continents. Out of seven? Yes, out of seven. Uh, The only two we don't have listeners uh, from, to date anyway, are Antarctica and Australia. So let's start out with um, our listeners here in the U.S., Shout out to Los Angeles, California. Daly City, California. Mountain View, California. And let's just finish off in the Golden State. Our listeners know the way to San Jose, California. Yes, they know the way to San Jose. Uh, Now, they also know the way internationally as well, including Ripley, United Kingdom. Sarajevo, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Edinburgh, Scotland. And Satumare, Romania. Special shout out to the men and women in the U.S. military. Thank you to the men and women for their service, their um, family and dependents, and those civilian supporters that are with them, whether they're here in the U.S. or whether they are international. Yes, thanks to all of those in all five branches of the U.S. Armed Forces, as well as a thanks to the uh, civilian first responders here stateside, so police, fire, uh, 9-11 emergency services, and so on. So we are forever grateful to everybody because we started this out earlier this year, right? Yes, we started in January. So we have listeners on five of seven continents and over a hundred cities in the U.S.? Uh, over a hundred cities. 
and then uh, what 50 plus countries across the globe uh, I haven't counted this week well it was at 49 it may be at 50 I counted 49 that's pretty well, good representation it's 50 if you count the US right <laughs> so that's pretty good representation given we are grassroots and we just started this earlier this year yes Yes, our free eclectic podcast is um, coming up in a few months on its uh, first anniversary. But you know, listeners, there is room to grow. So we hope that you will continue to share our podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, whomever. Yes, like, subscribe, leave comments and the like. And places where you can leave comments are where you can find the podcast. We're available through uh, several podcast apps and streaming services. I like to say you can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts, such as our home base of SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes, Stitcher, also known as Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Google Play Music, TuneIn, and many, many other sites. We're also found and available on all Alexa-powered voice-assisted devices. Now, what's our show's email address? If folks want to contact us with comments or questions. The email address is thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N as in Nancy, that, all nine characters together, at sign, aboutgreatercincinnati.com. We also have an email um, mailing list that's available for folks, email distribution list, I should say, and that is how our listeners can get reminders if, uh, for various reasons, they are unable to subscribe to different podcast points or streaming music sites, or they want to get in on and, and find out other information. Right. Now, um, you know, I started off this podcast with the question, what's up, what's up, what's up? Well, you know what's up on November the 11th, don't you? Yes, it is, as I said in the uh, last episode, here in the U.S., Veterans Day. Right. So we want to say thank you to all the U.S. veterans who are here to share with us and tell the story of how they helped us to earn our freedoms and our liberties and everything to live here in the U.S. Veterans Day is a holiday for the living. Memorial Day is a holiday for those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. And folks sometimes get that confused. So again, if you see someone who was a member of the armed services, Thank him or her for their service, um, shake their hand, help them out, and also for all of you that are veterans, remember that tomorrow is a day where the country will honor, as Brenda said, the commitment and sacrifices that you made, so there are a lot of special uh, deals, occasions, etc. that are going to be out there. So I would just check all forms of social media and broadcast media in general for that. And remember 
That date is November the 11th, 2019. Now, you know what else is up? No, what else is up? Well, the Bengals continue to not do so well. I told you they're going they should go for 0 and 16. That should be their goal. They're it's, on their way. Yeah, because if you answered the question, what's up with the Bengals? They are now 0 and 9. Yes, 0 and 9. They're the only they're the only winless team left in the NFL. National Football League for those unfamiliar. Uh, do we give them brownie points for that? Brownie points for that? No. Or an orange cupcake? <laughs> no. <laughs> Some pumpkin spice something. It's pumpkin spice season here in the U.S. Okay. So, well, I, I guess brownie their, their points. Their colors are orange and black. Yeah, so, I know. So know. brownie points, I guess, would go to Cleveland. Who won today, by the way? They they only won because uh, Buffalo missed the field goal at the very end. But it doesn't matter. They won. I know, a win is a win. A win is a win. So they are whopping, what, three and six? Like I said, they won. Yes. Because the Bengals are 0-9. That's right. All right. Now, you know who else won this weekend? Um, I have no idea. Let's give a shout-out to... That beautiful English bulldog down in Georgia, known as Uga. No, Uga X. Uga. <laughs> can you not pronounce the word Uga? Um, Alexa can't. <laughs> Apparently, Alexa, the voice assisted device, didn't go to college because she can't. Well, Alexa just turned five, so give it a break. Yeah, it did. It, it did just week. have a birthday, so I will give it a break. And for those who are doing the 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 voice work for um Alexa, it's pronounced Uga, U G A Uga, and yes, Uga won this weekend, beating Mizzou. Wow! Yeah. 27 to 0. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they barely got to that 27. But they still got there. A win is a win. Yeah. Now, some folks may be a little jealous because their team is only Oh, we're going to go there? Yeah, we're going to go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're going right. to go there because they may be a little jealous because their team is, what, 3 and what? No, they're 2 and 7. Oh, <laughs> They're two hey, and seven. I tried to they're help not you. Not three, no, they're two and seven. I tried to help you out. Which, it's a bad year. Which uh, brings to mind a future um, podcast that we want to do is about rivals in sports. So if you have a rival with a family member or a close friend or whatever, when it comes to sports, tell us about it. Yes, and we only want to know about friendly rivalries. We don't want to know if it's if it's that serious. We don't want to know. So friendly rivalries and, in sports. And where should people email that information? This and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. Yeah, and we're like I said, we're going to talk about that in a future podcast. So let us know uh, within the next week or two where you stand. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. So what else is up? What's up? What are we going to talk about today? Well, today we're doing uh, another uh, interview that is part of our Living Your Passion series. So that Living Your Passion segment will be done with uh, 
T.T. Stern Enzi, and Mr. T.T. Stern Enzi, and T.T. is a professional film critic uh, here locally in the area. He's an a advocate, he would say cheerleader, for all things Southwest Ohio film industry, and he's been a lifelong lover of movies, cinema, movie making, etc. Um, as I said, lifelong. Well, Literally. Don't, don't give away the segment. I'm not giving away the segment. I'm just so. setting setting it up. So if you have a passion for movies, definitely stick around. If you think, how, how are these folks who are film critics? How can you make a living at it? Can you make a living at it? Again, this is answered as part of that Living Your Passion segment. Or if you're just interested in how people are living their passion, so you might want to start living yours then definitely listen. Yes. So I guess, again, that's what's up for today. Yes. All right, so. That is it. That so is now that we know what's up, show. let's get going. All righty. You are now listening to This and That with David and Brenda. Podcast land listeners will know from time to time we have a segment called At the Movies, where uh, Miss Brenbren and I will review various movies, chat about things, uh, film, cinema related, and the like. Well, today we have a special treat. We have local critic, film, Southwest Ohio film industry advocate extraordinaire, T.T. Stern Enzi, on the line to chat with us. But not only is he a, an awesome movie critic, he is also living his passion. Welcome, T.T. Thank you, thank you. Glad to be here. Now, to get us all started, who is T.T. Stern Enzi? <laughs> uh, I think the easiest way to answer that question, and especially fitting for the topic today, is just to say that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy who just loves movies. Uh, I've been watching movies uh, since I was a kid and enjoying the opportunity to take that passion and share it with people today. Okay, fair, fair enough. How did you, when did you first discover you had this love for movies? Well, uh, I mean, again, I tell the story uh, a lot. Again, I started out as a, you know, my, my mother was a single parent, and when she was working, um, you know, just working just crazy hours, the, the opportunity for us to spend time together was, uh, was, was kind of short. So when she had an afternoon off and she would pick me up from school, she would ask me what I wanted to do, and generally speaking, I wanted to go to the movies. So we spent a lot of time together. Uh, just going to the movies, checking stuff out. She was actually, a, she's actually still a pretty big film buff now too. Either if we don't get the chance to go together, she's usually checking with me every every Friday to find out what's opening and what she needs to go see. So we started with that, and honestly, the the, the real big moment that I point to outside of her and my experience with her was um, when I was a senior in high school uh, back in 1986. Uh, I went to see Blue Velvet for the first time during its opening weekend, and I saw that film four times <laughs> during the opening weekend. I went Friday night, 
Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, and then again on Sunday afternoon, I was completely amazed and I think a little overwhelmed by everything that I had seen in that film and felt like I needed to talk about it with someone uh, and really talk about it in, in, in an almost kind of academic kind of way. So I, that, that Monday morning after, the, after that full weekend, I went to my AP English class and I raised my hand at the beginning of class and I asked my teacher, I was like, okay, I just saw this great film over the weekend and I feel like, you know, with the themes and the way the characters are set up and the story as it progressed, it needs to be discussed like we would discuss a, a book in this class. And I was like, can we, can, can you give me a little time to talk it out? And my teacher said, sure. And we spent a half hour breaking down David Lynch's Blue Velvet, which uh, that was the real point for me where I got to realize that film could be looked at as something more than just pure entertainment. So, so we have David Lynch to thank for you, T.T. Sternens, the movie buff film critic, as a, as a profession. It. It's a great. I I, I love Boo By the way, it's an awesome movie. Yeah, it it was a great movie. Now this well, is, the, is a it great is. movie. Now this is a digression, but I have to ask: Isn't Twin Peaks just Blue Velvet played out over a week? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, it's even got you know Kyle McLaughlin. It's, it's the same, isn't it? Isn't it really just Blue Velvet repackaged? It it could be, but I think for me, I had really interesting kind of personal connections to Blue Velvet that kind of go above and beyond a lot of that because it was set in Lumberton, North Carolina and I'm originally from North Carolina and I knew, I had friends and, you know, some guys I knew who were from Lumberton so I kind of knew the area and in a lot of really weird and interesting ways I feel like Kyle McLaughlin... Don't tell me you found an ear. Don't tell me you found an ear. (laughs) No, he wasn't. I, I didn't find an ear, but I felt like I, I felt like if, if I, as a teenager, and again, he was his character was supposed to be a few years ahead of where I was at the time that I saw the film, but I felt like that was the kind of adventure that I would have imagined having in my in my hometown of North Carolina, and yeah, I think I just kind of I over identified with that in a lot of ways. So yeah, I. I, that works for me in ways that, as much as I enjoy Twin Peaks, yeah, I don't have the connection with Twin Peaks in the same way that I do with Blue and, and see, Podcast Land listeners, this is why Miss Brenbren and I take tangents in this and that, because you never know what you're going to learn and you where you're going to end up. You never know what you're going to learn <laughs> and where. I mean, it all goes full circle at some point. Everything is connected and happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. It's almost like, um, uh, what is it, six degrees of separation? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yes, that's about, very much so. That's about what this is like. Now, now if, if we could say that um, Blue Velvet was the First movie you ever reviewed? What was the What's the latest movie you've reviewed? What do you, What have you been looking at recently? Um, well, you know, I I could. There are a couple of different ways to answer that. I mean, I I was on Fox nineteen this morning, uh, talking about a couple of films that opened this week. I saw Last Christmas, uh, and then also the new Doctor Sleep film, which is the sequel to The Shining. The Shining, yeah. Um, and the, the, the Doctor Sleep was actually really pretty fascinating in its own way because, of course, Kubrick's adaptation of Stephen King's novel, The Shining, 
is one of those kind of iconic pictures that we, you know, that we, we watch and we dissect in a lot of ways. And curiously enough, it's also one of those films that in terms of the adaptation aspect of it, that Stephen, Stephen King was not necessarily a huge fan. Oh, he hated it, didn't he? Of Kubrick's, yeah, he's not a fan of it at all. But I really believe that in watching Dr. Sleep now, it feels like he's maybe in some ways kind of come to some sort of understanding or reckoning with his negative feelings about that about that adaptation because what we get in this new film is in part an awareness that Cooper took took the story and, and went in some very different directions than maybe King would have initially wanted it to go. But I think that, like I said, I feel like he's now, like Stephen King is now kind of taking that and said, okay, yeah, you know, I, I get some of what you did, and I'm all right with it. So there's a, there's a fascinating kind of mix in there between this having a very new and different kind of look at people with unusual abilities and who are also dealing with trauma, which are all kind of standard Stephen King tropes. But he takes those tropes and kind of weds them with the mythology that Kubrick gave us in his version of The Shining and, mm-hmm. and in some of those images. And it's, it's a really neat and interesting marriage of those two styles, which, I, like I said, I thought was, re- it was it was great, except for the fact that, unfortunately, when they went to recreate the Overlook Hotel at the end and in recreating some of those scenes, since you're not using, obviously, Shelley Winters and Jack Nicholson. Right. Uh, you, yeah, you, 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 you suffer a little because again, we've, like I said, we've got those iconic kind of images and, and associations that we have with that. And when you try to, you know, update it to a certain extent, you lose some of the power of that. So mm-hmm. it, it, it falters a bit at the end, but I give it a lot of credit. I, the, the film works a lot better than I think people are going to expect it to. So is Dr. Sleep a movie one should see or not see? It is definitely a movie that people should see. I think, uh, obviously, it would be most helpful. You can't really go into it without having seen The Shining. So that's going to be the, the really tricky point. This is part of our cultural you know, DNA in a way. But you, you, have to, you have to have that film and some of those images and, that, and the way that story played out. You have to have it. Uh, in your arsenal before you before you step into the the theater for Doctor Sleep. Got but it. if you do, I think you'll have a good time. Okay. So, um, a, a question I, I have as well as Brenda, um, as as far as being a critic and the like, is this a full time gig? Is it a part time thing? Is it side hustle? Do you have to have like multiple jobs to make a living off of it? For folks who might love cinema, but they're hesitant about um, making a career out of it, how does that how does that work? Right, that's a good question because it's it's a it's a full time passion um, that really feels like a side hustle in a lot of ways. Um, unfortunately, I've been doing this for twenty years now here in Cincinnati, and when I first started, there were far more critics just in general. Uh, you had, I mean, I, I write for Cincinnati City Beat. I'm the, actually now the um, sort of a, you know, a, an editor 
and uh, critic and, and contributing editor at the paper. But when I first started, I was just uh, just again one of three or four uh, writers who were just doing reviews and maybe doing a column every once in a while. Um, you also had, you know, you had critics at the the daily newspapers both here and in Dayton. Um, Dayton City Paper had multiple critics who were writing. So again, you had a full community of people who were invested in in the field and in the job. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, with the rise of the internet and everything else, we've we've seen a lot of those positions kind of fade away. And with them fading away, that yeah, it means that those that there are fewer opportunities to actually do this and get paid a living wage. So I I I have found other ways to kind of supplement my income. I'm I teach uh, several classes, both as an after school. Uh, part of an after-school program, or I'm also an adjunct at UC, which gives me a chance to get in front of, you know, classrooms full of students to talk about film and talk about my passion for film, too, uh, which is really important, which, again, it's just another way to keep the conversation going that I that I feel like I start as a critic. Um, I'm also doing reviews on, like I said, on Fox 19, so there's not the opportunity to reach more people that way as well. But then the, the third piece for me is I'm now the lead programmer and artistic director for the Open the Rhine International Film Festival. And that is another piece of this, which allows me to take my love and passion and interest for film. Uh, it gives me the opportunity to go to film festivals, to see more films, to reach out to filmmakers who are submitting their films to our festival. Um, and then, yeah, I get to watch those films figure out ways to bring those films and those filmmakers here to Cincinnati so that they can show their work and have the chance to talk about it and expose that, expose that, that work to people in the community here. But you have to, for me, I have to do all of that uh, in order to really be able to make a living because, yeah, if I were just focusing on just being a film critic, uh, I would probably barely be able to afford, you know, a sandwich and a cup of coffee. Oh, come uh, but, on now. You could at least afford a sandwich and a cup of coffee as a film critic. Maybe maybe once a week. That would be about <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. So speaking of um, your other um, things that you're doing to supplement your being a film critic, you talked about the um, film festival that you just had here in 2019. And I think you're also going to be the lead person again in 2020? Uh, that is the plan. We've just uh, we just finished our second year. Uh, it was October 2nd through the 6th. Uh, we ended up showing, I believe, over 80 films as part of this year's festival. That's great. Uh, we, had about, we had about 70, I believe, 70 to 75 the first year. So, yeah, we were able to bump things up this year. I uh, used more venues down in OTR here and had a great experience with it. And again, we're going to try to figure out ways to, you know, keep the the content aspect of it uh, sort of expanding at a high level. But we're also trying to figure out now there's some ways that uh, it feels to a certain extent like it might have gotten um, 
a little beyond us in terms of, of some of the aspects of it. I mean, we, you know, I go to a lot of film festivals to help scout films that we're going to bring in. And one of the things that we have done here that I have seen that's been different in other festivals, again, like I said, we brought in over 80 films this year, but we had fewer opportunities for repeat screenings. Uh, which means that, you know, in a lot of cases, if there was a film on our schedule that people were really interested in seeing, they only had one shot at seeing that film. Um, and we need to sort of switch that up, give people more opportunities to catch some of those really interesting hot titles that we're trying to bring in, which means to a certain extent, we can't really show as many films as we've been showing so far. Okay. Um, no. So we, we will have to scale it back. I don't necessarily feel like we necess- we need to be more selective, but again, we will, it obviously does mean that we will have, again, we'll have a tougher time trying to trying to pare things down, but I think we have such a strong uh, opportunity with the films that are submitted to us, plus the films that we're scouting. I think we're going to be able to still have, like I said, that high content aspect of things, but again, yeah, we'll scale it back and make it a little bit more manageable for audiences because the at the end of the day, the point is to make sure that people get to see these great films. So um, if I can give you more opportunities to see it and then you can tell other people about it after you've seen it, you know, that's there's a, there's a win for the festival and a win for the community as a whole. So I'm kind of excited about that prospect and how we do that moving forward. Now, what kind of films did you show at the 2019 Film Festival, or were there any kind of named films that people would see at the theaters, or were these basically um, uh, films, rare films that folks would not likely see in the theaters? In a lot of cases, we brought in films that were people were not necessarily going to have immediate access to. Uh, about half of our titles came through. Uh, the, the service Film Freeway, which uh, it grants filmmakers from all over the world the opportunity to submit their films to film festivals for consideration. So in a lot of those cases, those filmmakers are not going to get distribution deals or have the opportunity for you know their film to be picked up on Hulu or Netflix or Amazon, anything like that. So they live in the festival world. In, in, in that way. So, again, it's an, we, we're bringing a lot of those films in. Uh, but the other half of what we brought in were films that that I found at other festivals. So, in, for instance, one of the big titles that I'm really excited about, and it's been uh, talked about a lot here in social media and just sort of in the, the, the overall conversation right now, there's a film called Burning Cane that we brought in, and I saw Burning Cane at Tribeca earlier this year. Uh, the filmmaker, Philip Humans is a, a young NYU student who is 19 years old, uh, but at the time that he shot Burning Cane, he was, he was a high school student. He was 17 years old, and he was working with actors like Wendell Pierce, who uh, is one of the stars of the film. Who I I love Wendell Pierce from his work in like David Simon's uh, projects like The Wire and mm-hmm. Treme. Um, great actor, hooked up with this young man, made this amazing film. The film actually ended up winning three jury prizes at Tribeca, which was 
kind of unheard of for again a film by a, a high school student again a nineteen you know a nineteen year old student who's in college now but was you know a seventeen year old in high school when he made the film. Um, but more importantly, not only did the film win those those awards at Tribeca, it got picked up by Ava DuVernay's distribution company Array, and is actually streaming on Netflix right now. Oh. So. That's if you cool. were to go on Twitter or check out social media, Ava DuVernay is like raving about, you know, having had the opportunity to see this film and to pick it up. And yes, this young man is getting all of his attention right now. And there's the chance for audiences who, for instance, weren't able to see Brian Kane at our festival. They can now, based on this conversation that we're having here, they can go to Netflix and have a chance to see this amazing film and, and, you know, in, in a lot of ways, one of the, the exciting parts about being a festival programmer is you you want to find, you know, a, a young talent like that, someone early in their career that you can sort of say, hey, wow, that, that, that guy's first film or that, you know, and, and years from now, once they've really established themselves, you can look back and say, wow, I remember them when they first got started. So that's one of the exciting pieces for us from the festival this year. I I'm hoping that 10 years from now, as the festival has grown and moved on, that, you know, people are going to be able to say, hey, I remember when, you know, the OTR International Film Festival brought Burning King to Cincinnati. Or maybe we'll be lucky enough to bring Philip Humans to Cincinnati when he's got a film 10 years from now. We can say, hey, we were we were on the bandwagon when you first got started. That's, That's really one of the, cool. one of the really cool things that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Now, um, does the OTR Film Festival, OTR International Film Festival, do they only do you only show films or do you show documentaries as well? Well, again, we show again documentaries, narrative features. We do shorts, both narratives and docs. Uh, we kind of cover a full spectrum of again film formats, and along the way, we are looking at kind of exploring some interesting topics because really what we're aiming to do, we started out the festival before it was rebranded over these last two years, it used to be Real Ability Cincinnati. So the focus was on finding films and stories that dealt with uh, people with disabilities and getting their stories out. So as part of this rebranding, the idea was, well, we still want to have a, a real focus on disability, but we would like to see if there are ways to make sure that we are kind of framing disability as part of a larger discussion of diversity and inclusion. Gotcha. Because in in the industry, when we when we hear those words, we're usually thinking about people of color or women or the LGBTQ community. Uh, we aren't necessarily talking about disability, and there's no reason why we shouldn't be. So I feel like our festival, that the real aim and mission that we have is to make sure that we are finding ways to let the industry know that that, that if we're going to talk about full diversity and full inclusion, we have to include every marginalized group. And there are some really great, strong stories out there, uh, again, involve people with disabilities where they are you know, telling their own stories and getting their own experiences out there because all of these experiences together make up sort of the human experience. So, yeah, we need to 
we need to again make a, a real you know real push to get get that full inclusion uh, in the mix. Uh, that's that's good to, to hear because we we have been to the um, real abilities before it got rebranded and we were curious to see if that had, that thread had stayed alive. So it's good to see it's there and expanded. Now, mm-hmm. uh, outside of the uh, OTR International Film Festival, as I said in the intro, you've you've become a a big advocate for the film industry in Southwest Ohio. In in general, can you say some more about that? What is some of the things you're you're um, plugged into and working on there? Well, I think uh, one of the easiest ways to kind of get at that is it's it's really kind of about taking the opportunities that I've had as a critic to kind of celebrate or cheerlead for uh, the the region as a whole. So I'm. I'm an accredited critic with uh, Rotten Tomatoes, and thanks to the work I do with Fox 19, I'm a member of the Barquette Film Critics Association. So, as a matter of fact, I just just voted this morning for um, my choices for the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards that are going to be handed out in, in just a week or so in New York. So, the opportunity that I have is being part of those groups means that I get to go to those ceremonies, go interact with either other film critics throughout the country or with filmmakers from different parts of the world, or even as I go out scouting films to the film festival, I am constantly kind of making sure that people know that, you know, we've got a, a really strong, thriving film community here, whether it's on the production side here in Ohio as a whole, or again, just looking at what you know the films that have been made here in the region, uh, and I want to make sure that people know that yeah, this is a really cool place to come in. Whether you're making a film or you you want to have your film shown at a film festival here, we besides the OTR International Film Festival, we have a number of other festivals that are out there, you know, kind of sharing stories and getting the word out about films from around the country and around the world. So this is a real opportunity that I feel that, yeah, if you if you have access to those audiences, that you, you've got to figure out how to push that, which is kind of surprising to me in a lot of ways, because I've been here 20 years, and to be quite honest, when I first moved to Cincinnati, I was not necessarily sure that I was going to be here that long, and I didn't necessarily have any strong kind of connection to the city at that stage. I had spent far more time in Philadelphia, or I've mentioned before, I'm originally from North Carolina, and those are places that, you know, for lots of reasons felt like they could have been a home base for me as well. So when I got here, I was kind of like, eh, I'll be here for a year, we'll see what happens. Um, and the reality is I got here six months before the riots uh, back in 2001, yeah. so... Mm-hmm that was a whole other set of issues and reasons why I was kind of like, well, I really don't know how long I'm going to be here. But, you know, I, I stayed a little longer. I got a little more connected, you know, sort of like built some roots here. I ended up getting married and, you know, my, my, my wife and my stepkids were here. So I was like, well, yeah, I'm not leaving now. And more importantly, as I started laying that foundation, uh, the city started to change. So there were more opportunities for 
me to feel like Cincinnati was like, in some ways, like a, a, a smaller or a slightly different version of Philadelphia in terms of the community that you could sort of find yourself and immerse yourself in and the cultural aspects of things. And I was like, well, yeah, this is, yeah, this is a place where you can come and you can build those roots. You can do it in a, in a very affordable, livable kind of way. You know, my wife and I just moved down to, you know, the Pendleton OTR area so we can take advantage of the streetcar and the restaurants and everything culturally that's going on in the city. And yeah, like I said, when I go out now, that's part of the the pitch that I make to get people to come here. Is that yeah, I tell them like, yeah, you got to come check this city out. So I'm I'm excited to be <laughs> able to do that and to feel like I've got a real stake in what's going on here now. Now, of course, after you met myself and David, that sealed it for you right there. <laughs> that you had to stay in this area. Well, and you know, it's funny because that's. How we met is a whole other piece of this. I mean, again, we met at the ATP event in Mason, which, again, that's another one of those really strong, key kind of, you know, cultural events that we have here that, you know, there aren't a lot of cities around the country or even around the world that have a world-class, top-notch kind of tennis tournament like that. Right. So again, that's a, like I said, that's another piece of that. So yeah, being able to meet you guys out there and you know, at least know that usually once a year I'm able like, to get out to the tournament and we and I know we're gonna see each other and like be able to talk tennis and kinda hang out. Yeah, that that's a big part of it too. It's again, you know, we should all be excited about having that kind of opportunity to to, you know, kinda toot our own horns every once in a while. Let's take a break from our interview with T.T. Stern-Enzi. We'll be right back. break so we can hear some more exciting information from T.T. Stern-Enzi. 2019, you've been reviewing all these different movies. What are your top movies for the year? You know, I'm working on uh, sort of two lists at once. I'm, I'm, I'm still a few films shy of really being able to say that I can come up with a full, my, my usual top ten list of the year. I've still got a couple of those titles that they're going to screen for us. Uh, so I'm working on that, but I'm also working on the top films of the decade because, mm-hmm. yeah, every critic right now is kind of focused on, wow, we're getting close to the end of a decade. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm doing both of those things at once, and I would have to say right now, uh, the films that are leading the list in terms of for 2019 are actually two or three films that I saw uh, in Toronto this year. And it usually is what happens because I go to the Toronto Film Festival in September and it gives me the chance to kind of catch some films that are going to be big titles that we'll be talking about during the award season. So um, right now, my two top films are probably 
probably A Hidden Life, uh, which is uh, the new Terrence Malick film. Right. I saw that, I think, on the first day of the festival and was completely blown away. I'm, I'm one of those weird apologists right now for, for Malik because I've <laughs> he was one of the filmmakers that I watched. I got to watch Badlands when I was in college. I went to the University of Pennsylvania and I took an English class where we studied film as text and I saw Badlands in that class and was completely blown away by it. Um, I then went out to see Days of Heaven right after that and was just as moved by Days of Heaven. And then of course Malik you know, spent years not producing anything, and then when he finally started making films again, you know, it was kind of hit or miss. You know, there are people who love Thin Red Line right. or The Tree of Life, but then there are also tons of films that he's made, especially in the last, I'd say, like the last five years, that you're kind of like, ooh, wow. You know, they're still great to look at, but it was he, it was like he was wandering a little bit. Uh, but I've each one of those films that have come out, I've always been like, well, I'm going to go see it because Badlands and Days of Heaven were so great. So sooner or later, he's going to get back to that level of greatness. And A Hidden Life is him getting back to that level of greatness. Now, it's, what's A Hidden Life about? It's, uh, it's loosely based on a true story. It's about, a, I believe, an Austrian uh, man during World War II who uh, finds himself... Uh, conscripted into the military, and uh, he joins joins the military and goes through his basic training. But of course, recognizes that he doesn't necessarily want to be a Nazi. Uh, but he lived on a farm, and he lived in a small farming community, and everyone knew each other and was really connected, and was also very spiritually connected. So he had these roots with you know Christianity and spirituality. And really decided, because he, he saw what the Nazis were doing and, and had a real spiritual awakening, if you will, and decided to not serve in the German military and um, ended up being persecuted and eventually uh, losing his life in that battle to, to you know, to, to follow his, 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 his moral code. Um, but that this film kind of tracks this, this man's journey and it looks at his family life, um, all that he goes through. In a lot of ways, it kind of reminded me of Martin Scorsese's Silence, which came out a few years ago, uh, that again has these spiritual elements to it, but it, it also being a Terrence Malick film, it has this amazing uh, ability to capture the beauty of nature and allow you to kind of see nature and the spirituality in nature. Um, and because it's, again, like I said, because it's based on a true story, it felt like you weren't just getting the pretty images. You were actually getting those images ground in a story, in a meaningful experience, someone's experience, um, which had kind of been missing from a lot of Malick's more recent films. He, he felt like, it felt like they were kind of lost and wandering around a bit. But this, this, brought it all together. So it's it's probably my favorite film right now, uh, followed with a very close second by this film called Waves, uh, which is by Trey Edward Schultz, uh, that traces uh, an African-American family, a suburban family, kind of dealing with uh, their own crisis of faith and just the realities of living in today's world. Um, 
it's one of the stars in the film is Kelvin Harrison Jr., who was in Loose earlier this year. Uh, as a matter of fact, this year, Harrison was, was considered one of the the it performers of uh, the Toronto Film Festival, I think, because of his work in Loose and then also in Waves. And it's just a shattering film uh, that looks at this family and how they are dealing with their, their struggles. Um, that we, we don't see families like this that often on the big screen. And it's powerful and meaningful, and and yet it's it's an indie film, so it's a little smaller. I believe the studio A twenty four is putting it out, so they're they're a smaller uh, independent distributor. But they, it, you can tell they know they've got a really good film here, and they and I'm hoping they're going to give it a really strong push during the award season because, like I said. Uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr. is great in it. Sterling K. Brown plays the father, and he's just he's just riveting, and and plays a really strong sort of central figure in in this family and what they're dealing with. Um, so, honestly, during the festival, I saw the, both of those films fairly early on, and I would honestly feel like if you asked me each day of the festival which was my favorite film, I probably would have gone back and forth between those two films. Throughout oh, wow. the festival, I think I've settled now a bit more on a hidden life being one, and it's it's primarily because of Malik's reputation. He's been around a little bit longer, but I got to tell you, this uh, Trey Edward Schultz, he's uh, he's he's going to be someone that we're going to be talking about too as a director because this is you know his third kind of known film. He did he made. Crescia a few years ago, and then he directed It Comes at Night. Those are the two feature films he directed before this. But with this, this is the third film. We're going to be talking about this guy for a long time. He's okay. he's this real talent. He loves getting at you know these family dramas and the interpersonal connections with people in crisis. And yeah, he's he's again, it's just it's amazing work. Okay, now um. Let's move forward to um, award season 2020. Do you get to vote for um, the awards given out at the SAG or Globe, Golden Globes or the Oscars or anything like that? Well, like I said, yeah, this year for the first time, I just got into the Broadcast Film Critics Association. So they do the Critics' Choice Awards. So during the season, uh, we have, you know, like, yeah, you have the Guild Awards, the SAGs, the Writers Guild, all that. Uh, but the three probably big televised award shows are uh, the Hollywood Foreign Press Awards, uh, the Critics' Choice Awards, and the Oscars. So, yeah, as, uh, as a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association, I will be voting for the Critics' Choice Awards, which is kind okay. of exciting. Awesome. Um, there's actually even a very, very good chance, it feels like now, that I, I actually may end up going to the awards show itself in January. Uh, you're so going to walk the red carpet. Yeah. He's going to be yeah, on the red no. carpet. <laughs> that's uh, that's one of those things that I'm still like kind of crossing my fingers, and I almost don't like to talk about too much, because until it happens, 
I, I don't want to get too excited about it, but I would love in my head, I kind of know, and I'm looking forward <laughs> to the opportunity if it pops up. Cause that would be so much fun to just be in the room, you know, and from what I've heard from colleagues that I know who, who have voted and been at the awards show before, it's, an, it's a real opportunity to just kind of come hang out. You're in the room, and it's, you know, they set up tables. It's not like the Oscars, so you'll have tables full of, you know, the talent from individual films or TV shows or whatever, and they kind of hang out, and they're there all together. But during the commercial breaks, everyone either gets up and they go to get food or drinks or whatever else, and you kind of move from table to table talking to people and kind of hanging out. So I'm like, like, yeah, I can't wait to have the opportunity to go hang well, out. Maybe. I hope it works out and you get to go. <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you. Now, of course, yeah, I keep telling everyone you might look up and you might see me on TV, like in one of those in one of those tables. So yeah, just, uh, if, if if it comes to that, I'll let you know. So yeah, I was gonna say you definitely gotta let us know, and then when you come back, you know we're gonna podcast with you, so you can tell us right. all about it. And yeah, what's what's what what did you get in the swag bag? That's that's gonna be one of my first questions. That's the other part of it too. I I have to admit I'm a I'm a big swag bag kind of guy, especially if there are t-shirts involved. Because again, I've been talking about cheerleading and all this. Like for me, the 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 wardrobe that I usually wear when I whenever I go to festivals or any kind of film events, I'm wearing either film t-shirts or Cincinnati-based t-shirts. I'm a big t-shirt and you know blazer kind of guy with my jeans. So. I'm hoping I get some nice, some nice film swag that I can wear as I go around to more of these events. So that's the big thing for me. Now I know my wife is probably looking for some, you know, more interesting kind of swag, but I'm a, I'm a simple guy with simple taste. Yeah, give me some, film, some, some good I, film T-shirt. I can relate. I can now, relate. does that mean if we see you on the red carpet and you're going to be wearing um, some uh, very casual shoes with your tuxedo? You know. I will probably be wearing some Adidas. See, on my feet, and I yeah, I'll do. I'll have the tux on, obviously, but I there's no saying that I might not have it like a Cincinnati T-shirt on under the tux. So I'm just letting you know right now that could happen. <laughs> so we will not be looking for um, any kind of bow ties or nothing like that. No, I don't think I'm the boat. You know, I, I'm not the bow tie kind of guy. Like I said, I'll do the tux, but I, w- I would probably have to have a really cool Cincinnati T-shirt on underneath it. All right. I gotta, I, I gotta represent. You know, that's that's my yes, way. Yeah, there you go. You have to represent, and um, I think you've left a few um, very good kernels of words of wisdom throughout our um our conversation here. But if you were talking to someone about being living their passion, what would you tell them? Um, you know, it's easy to say that, yeah, if you love what you do, then it doesn't feel like work. Um, and I do. I've, you know, I've said that to students, either the, the middle school age kids that I work with as part of after school program or even my college students. Um, but that's, not entirely true because you know at the end of the day even though i'm just watching movies for a living i mean when you have to write about a bad film 
and you're staring at a blank screen when you're trying to figure out what to say, it's, it's still tough. There's still work involved in it. But I think the bigger lesson about being able to follow your passion is that at least if it's something that you really care about, then as a whole, all of the time that it takes either to to watch the films, to figure out how to write about them, or to talk about them on TV, as a whole, the effort will feel a little bit more personal, and you'll be a little more invested in it, which is, I think, the more important thing. Because the the work, you know, whatever job you have, you always have to give some bit of yourself to it. Uh, But if it's, like I said, if it's something that you care about, then the bit of yourself that you give is going to be the thing that people are going to respond to. So as a critic, you know, if I see a film and I really care about it and I'm really excited about it, you know, people that are going to either see that, read that review or see me talking about it, talking about it on TV, they're going to feel that. And hopefully that will be enough to inspire them to go check it out for themselves or to find ways to, to talk about it after they've seen it with other people so they can they can kind of share their own kind of feelings and passions about it too. Uh, when you can find an opportunity to work in a field where you get to put your passion into something and it touches other people after, after it leaves you, I think that's the important thing. It's still going to be work no matter work, no matter what you do. But again, if you can make it so that you touch people in a different way, that's the, that's the really important part of it. Great words of advice. Yes, absolutely. So the, the passion definitely comes through with uh, every uh, sentence of this interview. And we thank you, TT, for spending some time with us and our listeners here in Podcast Land Studio. Now, how would folks get in touch with you? The website, email, um, social I am, media. I, I I am on social media. Well, I'm on Twitter. That's really all I do in terms of social media. You can you can follow me at uh, it's at tt sternenzi, uh, all lowercase, uh, no spaces or anything for that. And then if you want to have the opportunity to check out either the I do for City Beat or Fox 19 or any of the extra pieces that I do. I have a blog that serves as sort of an archive and a place for me to put new new work out. And it's uh, TerrenceTodd.com, which for the, the really careful and attentive listeners here, they'll recognize that that's, that's what the TT is in my name. My name is Terrence Todd, so I, I, I use the blog as my way to keep my name my birth name alive. I think my mother would probably be really happy about that. I'm sure your mother is very happy about that. Now, is that Terrence with two R's or one? Two R's, three E's. T-E-R-R-E-N-C-E-T-O-D-D dot com. Gotcha. All right, simple enough. Yeah. All righty. And once again, thanks for spending time with us, um, TT, again. Um, living your passion definitely comes through with uh, everything that you've said. Much success to you, and obviously uh, Brenda and myself will be talking to you and seeing it at a later date. And if you do make it out to Hollywood for the Critics' uh, Choice Awards, we will have you back 
to uh, discuss well, what went on you. at the tables in between the breaks. <laughs> great. Well, thank you very, very much. This is a great opportunity, and it's always fun to kind of talk about this stuff and, and to share it with people. So uh, this, is, this is a great opportunity, uh, and I look forward to coming back. Hey, and you know something, T.T.? Uh, T. T. We're going to have to send you a T-shirt. Because being <laughs> that you are a T-shirt kind of guy, we expect hey, uh, to see you wearing our T-shirt. You will see me, if you send me a shirt, you will see me in that shirt probably more than you want to see me in that shirt. I'll, <laughs> I'll wear that shirt and I'll wear it to death. It'll be in the mail. Sounds like a plan. Thank uh, you. Comments? Send your feedback to this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. Well, once again, time has flown by, and uh, I believe we're at the end of yet another episode. Right, we're at the end of episode 34 of This and That, and that was really interesting to learn how one might become a movie film critic like T.T. Stern Enzi. Yes. It's uh, amazing, at least from my perspective, the things you learn from folks who are out there living your passion. And hopefully that'll inspire folks who um, believe they have to go into a job that they just hate to make a living in this world, that that is absolutely not the case. And that's what I like about our Living Your Passion segments, because it, like you said, it shows a lot of different folks and their careers and how they got into it. Some of them are doing nine to five kind of jobs that they like and then others are a little more flexible in their work and what they're doing. That is definitely the case and there'll be more to come in future episodes of course of this and that. Yeah and um, like we said earlier one of our episodes that's coming up is where we're going to talk about sports rivals. Not so much sports rivals, rivalries that our listeners have with, um, you know, friends, relatives, spouses, etc. that are in the sports realm. So if you're in a divided house, so for example, one of you is uh, a Cowboys fan and the other is an Eagles fan, that type of thing, that is definitely a rivalry. Bears, Packers. And it doesn't have to be an NFL thing, but but you got the picture, folks. Yep, you get the picture. And we would love to hear by hear from you by uh oh Thanksgiving. Yes. That's a, that's a good good date out there. Thanksgiving twenty nineteen. So be sure and send us an email to let us know uh what kind of um rivalries that you have with your friends or members of your family. And and how does that work out? <laughs> let's, get, let's get specific. We want to know how does that work? And what do you do? Right. And we'll tell you about one of our special rivalries that we have. We being myself and Miss Brenda. So we will go into yeah. that and share it with you. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. But until then, all the best. Peace out. Bye, folks. You have been listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything. This has been hosted 
by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com. Music by Poddington Bear. Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes. If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode, future episodes, interested in sponsorship and or advertising, please email us at thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. All rights reserved. Thank you and all the best.